Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. And there you have it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Tell you, I love this season, love the chick flicks. Uh, I tell you, I've only seen, uh, you've got mail once, and I'm just wondering, last year, I I think I saw it 20 times, so still looking for all the good chick flicks here for me and my wife to watch, love the music, love the food, love it all. And uh, as we come to this particular time now, before we light our candles here, I want to take us on a little bit of a journey to, to understand and appreciate exactly what it was. And there's no way we'll do it in one service. No way I can do it uh, justice. I'm going to try to take a little slice of it. Uh, what the children just went through is really Luke chapter 1 and 2. And uh, so I want to just start right there where they were at. And uh, back in uh, 1906, there was an, an inventor named Reginald Fessenden. Fessenden was Canadian-born, but did most of his work in uh, the United States, and a lot of his work was in uh, transmission of uh, sonar, and uh, actually AM radio was really, he's credited with with starting AM radio and the ability to transmit and amplify sound through through those AM radio waves. He was first uh, working to get uh, Morse code to be able to, to communicate, and so... Uh, for years, Morse code was used for ships to communicate with one another, and uh, he, he believed he could actually send his voice, and of course, we know today that he certainly successfully did, but he's working on an invention, and uh, to amplify and send his voice, he uh, got his wife to join him, and uh, he had worked out all the kinks, and on December 24th, uh, Christmas Eve night at 10 p.m., he gave the first AM broadcast with any human voice. He would learn later as they responded to him that all of these different ships with hundreds of crew members, they were stunned when they were listening for their uh, Morse code, their little Morse code box so that they could communicate about weather and such, stunned when for the first time a human voice comes over to say, attention, attention. And so they gathered around and got crew people here Again, it's 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and the very first thing to to be read over the AM radio waves was this passage of Scripture. This is in Luke chapter 2. He had actually gotten his wife. She was prepared to do it. His sister-in-law and wife were supposed to help him. But wouldn't you know it, the very first microphone also caused the very first mic fright. And when he pointed to his wife to start, she froze up and she ran out of the room. So, Fessenden reads these words, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now go out there and get in those boats in your imagination with me here as they're hearing this on Christmas Eve. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered. Not to mention she had ridden 70 miles on a donkey. 
I'll just put that in there. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Wonderful that the very first thing to come over the radio waves was the word of God proclaiming the Savior's birth. The next thing Fezzenden did was, though he was a classically trained musician as well, and so he took his violin and he began to play the song we sang earlier, O Holy Night. Now think about it. These sailors are out there in the vast, wide open, giving up their Christmas time, working. And it's Christmas Eve, and he begins to sing, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the earth in sin and arrow, pining till he appeared and the soul found its worth. Think of the lyrics to that song. Our soul has been hunting and hunts to this very day for affirmation, for, to feel valued. Uh, we are, sit on couches and spend thousands of dollars in counseling, and it, that's good, I'm, I'm for counseling. And we beat up our dads because they didn't affirm us enough or they affirmed us slightly or they didn't talk to us at all or they weren't there. And, and I'm not saying there's not an enormously powerful role of a father to affirm his children. But every single human being in here has something missing in their soul that God put there. And when man fell from grace, uh, when Adam fell, his ability to talk if you will, face to face with the highest authority. What affirms us is the highest authority voice affirming us, right? We all have friends and people that say, hey, good job, and you're doing great, and you're wonderful, and you look beautiful. But a lot of times, it's not that they're not encouraging to us, it's that we don't consider them credible authorities to actually affirm us. And so our soul is constantly hunting for who can tell me I really have value? That thing on the inside of you, God put it there. When I read these lyrics and I was thinking about, man, this, I mean, that it just kind of passes by and the soul found its worth. I don't know, stunning song to me. A thrill of hope, that weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What do we do with that news? Fall on your knees. Here, the angel voices, O night divine, O night, when Christ was born. And I believe that to understand Christmas, we have to first understand, really, you know, out there on the, on the high seas, something brand new, a brand new sound was heard in the voice of man coming over this that would start, you guys got more channels than you could even find your name right now. All of that started, I mean, what Al Gore was to the internet, Fezzenden was to AM radio. I know. 
But a new sound started, and here's what I want you to know. On Christmas morning, when a baby's cry was heard and God became a man, something brand new, a whole new horizon began, and it did. A new sound came because the old sound, let's talk about what the old sound was. God, after man fell, and I want you to hear this, we kind of think in terms, and those of us that have been churched all of our life, we think we're, you know, we, we fell a little bit. Uh, some of us think that when we sinned, he just took off and flew up real high. The Bible describes a fall. We fell from our position. When God created the heavens and the earth, what he desired for you and me, though we were lesser creatures, he respected and talked to us as equals. He exchanged with us, knowing that he was supreme. Nonetheless, he respected Adam and talked like that because what God wanted out of, of creating us was relationship. When we fail, not only did we lose our father affirming us, he lost his relationship. It was no small gap. It was a, a vast chasm between the two. From that point all the way up until we read in uh, Matthew's gospel, the New Testament and the birth of Jesus, this moment we're celebrating right now, God spoke and communicated, but he communicated, I'll say it this way, basically like an angry father. He said this to Israel, his chosen people, listen, you do good, I'll be happy with you and I'll bless you. You do bad and I'll put a knot on your head. Now I say that because that's basically what my dad used to say to me. I grew up with a father whose basic tone, uh, the tone that I recall is, he's a good dad, great provider, great leader. My dad was wonderful. The general tone, and many of you were raised in the same era as I was, the tone of fathering wasn't, oh, come sit on my lap, you little schnookums. Uh, my dad never said the word schnookums. <laughs> Warden Harvey was Warden Harvey in and out of the house. And uh, <clears throat> Warden Harvey basically cre created a, a, a tone that was, you, you keep your things picked up, keep your life together or else. And so we obeyed. Did I love my father? Yes. But what was the primary reason I obeyed? I was intimidated. I watched my brother get, uh, do it the wrong way, should I say, and watched my dad's reaction, being the smarter, younger brother. I realized, whatever Larry does, don't do that. <laughs> my dad was a great dad. I want you to know God, from Israel's perspective, the tone in the house was this. Listen, if you sin, I'm going to punish you. Don't sin or I'll punish you. And he would bring famine. At one time, the, the wrath and justice of God was expressed such that he flooded and drowned all of mankind because the virus of sin was so great. That was his anger toward humankind, and he wiped everybody out, save one family. A sin, several uh, cities were so filled with sin, God didn't come in, in grace and mercy. He came with fire and brimstone and rained that down, and that was sending a message to all of Israel. Do what God says or he's going to get you. God wanted obedience, but ultimately he didn't want it by forcing us. And so people served him all of these different years. When they would get out of line, God would send famine or pestilence or create uh, captivities. They would become slaves. And from being enslaved for a while, they would pick it up and go, okay, we better obey God or he's going to get us. When they were good, he blessed them. I, 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 I stopped short of bribery. I don't want that. that. That wasn't what God was doing. But let me present a picture to you. If you're married to somebody and you either have to intimidate them into uh, if you're relating to you the way you want to, 
or you have to keep buying them things to get it, is it really love? It isn't. You're just intimidating and you're simply, uh, you're simply bribing is what you're doing. So here's the deal, God wanted to, to make a change. His final act of wrath, he speaks of in Amos. In Amos, he said, I'm about to bring the last famine on you. It's not a famine of your crops. I'm not gonna withhold water. It's gonna be a famine of my word. I'm not going to speak to you any longer. And 400 years, most of us look at our Bible and we read Malachi and we flip a couple of pages and Matthew starts and we think, well, hey, it just jumped. There were 400 years of silence and it was a wrath of God being expressed, not by his hand coming down, but a, a, a passive wrath where he backed away and said, then I'm gonna let you have it. You wanna do this your way? I'll let you do it. It, it is perhaps a worse wrath, a worse wrath for God to remove himself than for him to bring a punishment. But here's the wonderful thing. After 400 years of, of silence, the, the Bible says, John tells the, the, the Christmas story this way. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and as you follow it on down, it says this, the word that silenced the quiet, the famine, the famine was broken because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the famine was broken. Now, not with prophets, nor judges, nor fire and brimstone, but now in the voice of God made flesh because ultimately what God was desiring wasn't an obedience just for obedience sake. God didn't want you just to be a good person. Or God wanted you to obey him out of love for him, not out of fear that he would punish you. You tracking with me? God had to restore to us free will to choose him. Here's the only thing that God gets out of the deal with us. You, let me just clear it up. You don't add anything to God. You can't provide. He does all the providing. You don't make enough money to help his you know, he's got plenty of money. He's God, individual. He needs nothing from us, but he wants something. He wants you to want him back. He gives you free will. Jesus came to create a new covenant so that what God had with Adam in the beginning, he could have with you, but a very absurd thing had to happen. And this makes me horribly uncomfortable. God, supreme, came to earth, Philippians 2 tells us, God creator humbled himself. And he approached humankind, not by obey me or, or I'll bless you if. He simply came and he said, look, don't be afraid. Am I big, I'm God, I could do anything I want. Uh, just listen, don't be afraid. Would you let me into your life? God appealed to human. God appealed to humans in a humility to the degree where he says, not gonna force you, not gonna be. So pause, freeze frame. We're in a dispensation right now where that is the deal. God will once again, there's a first day when Jesus was born. There'll be a last day to this dispensation of grace and God will once again impose his will on this earth. He will wipe out all sickness, sin, disease. 
And every host and carrier of the virus of sin who does not have the bloodline of God himself, he will in his wrath impose his will, clean this world up, and all of us who have said yes to him will live forever in a new cleaned up world. That's to come. That's what he's capable of even in this moment. However, this powerful God has humbled himself to say, I want you to have a choice. You get to choose me. No bribery, no. Would you just love me back? My wife told this story many times. She was working with some uh, you know, dancers in Houston, doing ministry to reach to some of the girls in these clubs. And she was a part of a ministry there. And one of the, the women, they would go and here's what they would say, God loves you. And uh, one of the kind of tough girls said, hey, I know God loves you. What, what, what do you mean? Why wouldn't God love me? Of course he loves me. And it was frustrating to my wife. And as she was praying and asking God, God, telling people you love them isn't enough, because it isn't. It's, 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 it's not a big aha moment to go, God loves you. And here's what he said. The, the issue is, I want them to love me back. Does God love you? Yes, he loves you. The question is not, does God love you? The question is, will you of your own free will and accord love him back? Stacy and I, we went to Christmas shopping. We were in the mall and uh, doing, having a great time. And um, we love to shop together. We, we're actually pretty good at it. And, uh, but being in the mall, we go past the pet store. So what do we do? We uh, go into the pet store. We need a little break there. And in the pet store are all of these precious puppies. These are just the cutest little bundles of fur love and all. And there's, you know, four or five in each of these, uh, you know, glass containers so that you could see them. And I don't know, probably six containers. You, you guys know, those of you that are, mall, that are Woodlands folks, you know that, that pet store because you've been in there doing it too. And uh, so we're watching all of these bundles of joy and whatever, just kind of taking a break from our shopping, no intent on buying a dog, and, and we didn't, just so you know. <laughs> but uh, we particularly are captivated by this one l little puppy. He's a little white-based uh, puppy with some brown spots on him, got that little baby face. I mean, this is a puppy puppy. All the dogs in that cage, all the puppies, they were wrestling and doing all that. This particular puppy had moved up to the glass you know, right by the glass. And you could tell, you know, when you look at these animals, you can tell he was kind of the shy one. He sort of wanted to play, but here's what got us. He kept looking back through the glass at us like that with those little eyes. It's like, yeah. huh. I started to feel $800 start to leave my, my pocket. <laughs> I grabbed it. It's like, don't do that. Well, Stacy leans down and, uh, and it says not to touch the thing, but that, that's for other people. So we... <laughs> She, she kind of touches where he's at. He paws back. I'm like, oh, I feel $1,000 about to leave. <laughs> she puts her hand up there, and he licks the K. He's, that's what I said. <laughs> we, we did not get him. So, you know, I went back several days later to take a picture of it, and uh, praise God, Somebody gave him, I'm sure, a wonderful home for Christmas. But here's the deal. I don't need, you don't need a pet. I don't need a pet. These little dogs, what do they bring to the table? If they get fed, who's going to do, are they going to do the cooking? I'm doing all the cooking. I'll do all the feeding. 
I'll take care of all the medical bills. Um, I'll t- you know, even when he needs to do his business, who's gonna open the door? It's me, I gotta go out there when it's freezing cold. Why do they take twice as long when it's freezing cold? I, no idea. Why do they tear up the trash when you leave? Yeah, right now some of you got a prophetic word and you, you, know, you saw a little brown dog in my master bedroom uh, tearing up the trash in our master bathroom and you're thinking that's a sign that the devil's wreaking heaven in your home. No, it's not. Uh, it's a sign that we've got an angry little dog because we left him and he tears our trash. I don't know. Here's the deal. The dog brings nothing to the table except this, that he would return love. All of you in here, you got pets. That dog caught our attention. Of all those little dogs, that dog started stealing our heart and almost our money as we looked at him. And here's why. He responded. He loved us back. Here's the deal. There's a vast gap between humanity and animals. We provide everything. They just kind of hang out. And yet, we're taken with that. Where do you get that? Whose image are you made in? You're made in the image of God. The reason that one little puppy just about took us was because he loved us back. I'll show you this in scripture. I poked my eye out. Um, John 1.12 says, but as many as received him. Who is he looking for today? God is actually in this room. Did you know that? God Almighty. I mean, if he were to show us himself, you would all take off running and that's why every time he, he appears, the very first thing any angel says of God, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's used to people being afraid of him because he's so vast. He says, ah, don't, don't be afraid. To as many as received him, who respond to him, who say, I, I, I will let you in. I, I want you in. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. What's God looking for this Christmas and what is this Christmas all about? What is is Jesus coming? He's wanting to ignite in you. I don't wanna force you to follow me. I could, that's not what I want. I want you to want me back. I love you, I want you to love me back. And for everyone who will receive me, it's interesting, um, Jesus, God, creator, walking along, he sees John the Baptist at the River Jordan, and he approaches him and says, look, I want you to baptize me, and John gets it. Whoa, me baptize you? You are a God, creator, superior. Our roles are, they couldn't be more flipped. I can't baptize you, I need you to baptize me. And the creator of the universe looking into him, remember what he said? Permit it at this time. Give permission at this time. Let it be. God the creator is in essence saying, give permission at the, could I force you? Could I, permit it at this time. That's why when the angel came to Mary and he says, Mary, I'm gonna do all these wonderful things. Don't be afraid. Do all these wonderful things. She thought about it and here's what she said. Let it be to me. Everybody say, let it be. Let it be to me according to all that you've spoken. 
in this room right now during this wonderful dispensation, we're not just a little lower, we're extremely lower. It's an enormous grace that he has demonstrated to lower himself to us and then to humble himself where he could force you. But because he wants to be loved back, you have to make a choice to do that. To as many as received him, to as many as said this, Lord, let it be. Let it be unto me according to what you've spoken. That's a part of what Christmas means, that he came and humbled himself. This would be Philippians 2 if you wanted to look it up. Philippians 2 talks about him humbling himself. But he didn't just humble himself. He raised us up with him. Okay? The issue, the issue is, another scripture here is Revelation chapter three where, where he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? I could kick it in. I could just come in. I own the house. I stand at the door and knock. If you'll respond, I'll come in. It's enormous humility, enormous humility of God, and yet that's the dispensation we're in. Okay. Last point is this, the resolution is that he would raise us up. God would come down to our level where we fell, but not leave us there. He raised us up. God not only descended, Jesus not only descended, but he then again ascended, carrying with him a multitude. Paul's description in Ephesians of the birth of Jesus, I'll say it, goes like this, the Christmas story in his version. Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Everybody say rich in mercy. Rich. I don't know. I don't have word. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So Paul is trying to draw a contrast to help us understand. You're not just a little different as different as dead and life are, there's your chasm. And yet because of his great love and mercy, he descended and gave life to us to close this gap. Stay with me. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He graced it. You didn't earn it. He graced it. This is how good he is. Check this, verse six, and raised us up together. He raised us up together with somebody, together with Christ, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Pastor, what on earth? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's a gift, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. What does that mean? God started eyeball to eyeball, respecting man in this loving relationship. We fell. He came to us at Christmas time, walked among us, he rose again, and this scripture says, and he being rich in mercy beyond what you can understand, raised us together with Christ and seated us back again at the same table. What does that mean? 
I was reading uh, my Yahoo News, and I always sense Stacy some nuttiness that Yahoo News shows me, but Yahoo News is what I read. And a particular lady had left several million dollars to her cockatoos, her pets. Got to be true, it's on Yahoo News. And I did a little, it's on the internet, it's got to be true. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I start getting curious about what absurd, I hope you're not in here, uh, you know, what, what absurd, crazy person leaves an inheritance to an animal, to their pet? Here's what I found out, a lot. Millions of dollars a year are legally left from a human being to their pet. Leona Helmsley, the hotel heiress, Harry Helmsley's uh, wife, crazy woman, by the way, and obviously by what I'm going to tell you. Um, she left $12 million to her dog. That means that dog could pay for our building. I've been on the phone. So all of a sudden, I love that dog. It's like, <laughs> he wasn't cute before, but now he's kind of growing on me, you know? No, he's actually died too. I couldn't find him. I'm trying to figure out who did he leave it to. <laughs> she left the dog to cover his chauffeur bills and his health and his uh, food and all this other stuff. And uh, as you read these things, you think, what, what? It's absurd. It should be. If it's not absurd, do you? We got counseling. Pastor Dale can help. Uh, <laughs> That's absurd that you leave millions of dollars to a pet. There's a difference. What did Leona Helmsley do to this animal? Do you know what she did? She raised him up to the value of one of her children. That's absurd. And yet, she, in her grace and being rich, period, and I suppose rich in mercy and grace toward this dog, considered him as a human, though he's a dog. Pastor, where are you going with this? You're calling me a dog. No. I'm saying the difference between these animals and us humans pales in comparison to the difference between God Almighty and us in our sin. And as absurd as that is, for her to raise the value of an animal up equal to her children, God came as a baby to us, and what we just showed, to demonstrate his great love and mercy for years and ages to come, that he might demonstrate it, he raised us up with Jesus. Who gives an inheritance to such us? God left us the same inheritance as the God heir. And what did salvation achieve for us? A miracle. You can't do it. He raised us up back to where he wanted us to be by grace. Right? Tracking with me? Yes. He raised us up. Now, here's the absurdity. No matter how many millions you leave a dog, he's still going to be a dog, and it's still going to be absurd. However, what Jesus did by coming, being born, rising from the dead, and then raising us up, I'll read it to you. 
Though the dog is always gonna be a dog, 2 Corinthians 5 says this is what happens at salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As you could read on in that passage, it says God was in Christ, reconciling man back to himself to get back what he lost as well. We lost him, but he lost us. And he came, the Christmas story, what it is all about, it is about God descending to rescue us, but not just cohabitate. He raised us back to our level of value so he could have with us what he desired and designed us from the beginning. To be saved is not just to make a little shift or I'll go to church once a month or you become a new creation, and we spend our life trying to understand. You know, when, when O Holy Night was sung, you know, I, the, the, the writers couldn't have possibly understood by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what it meant that the soul finds its worth, its value by God coming to us. Here's the deal, again, God is in this room right now. He's here. He's tapping on your cage. And this is who goes home with him. Whoever says, let it be, let it be. First time light is, is, is referenced in the scripture. Remember what God said? Let there be light, let there be. There's some hardened hearts in this room. Wonderful passage actually, um, I think I just shut my, oh here we go. Wonderful passage here, why don't you stand to your feet and if you'll take your candle here. Stacy Lynn, would you grab one of those Kleenex boxes for me? Like our worship team to come and thank you, babe. Jesus quoting Isaiah. And I've read everything out of the New King James today just because it just feels a little more formal. But he says it this way a bruised reed, he God will not break, and smoldering flax he will not quench. What is smoldering flax? A broken candle, a broken candle. First John tells us that Jesus was the life and that life was the light and that light was the light of all men. And I uh, got away without a candle too, uh, it's all right. No, we're good, thank you. You know, uh, <laughs> this is not the most sporty, awesome thing you've ever looked at, right? It's just wax. The only time this thing finds its worth is if it hosts fire. If it hosts fire, all of a sudden, 
Now it lights. Now it can even heat. You could just about cook over it. But before it finds light or says, let there be light in my life, there's not much value and purpose to it. Just a moment, we're going to have our ushers start to pass this around. And gang, here's, here's what I'm asking you to do this Christmas Eve Eve as we light these candles. I mean, it could just be a ceremony and just something we do, and that's fine. But this really represents your life and an opportunity for you to respond to God to say, that you ask my permission is just so absurd, and I'm, I'm humbled by your humility to ask permission to enter my life. But I want to let you know, let it be. Let it be. Permission granted. I mean, what, I just, is this humbling to anybody else? It's so humbling to me. God ought to be able to order us. And yet he begins his relationship by saying, may I? Will you love me back? Some of you are here have never received Jesus Christ as Savior or you've prayed a prayer or maybe you, you, you've been on the bribery thing. You know, if God blesses me, I'll be good and I'll come walk an aisle or get baptized or whatever. But regarding a personal relationship with him, you may have never had and, and perhaps you've never actually been saved. The Bible does describe that. So we're gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer of salvation so that you can simply say to God, please come into my life. I open the door. Permission granted. What? Please take my life. If that's you today, like all heads bowed and all everybody praying with me, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, but it has far more to do with what's going on in your heart in genuineness than the words that come out of your mouth. Holy Spirit, would you come now and begin to do what only you can do and write invitations and speak to hearts and create conviction and warm the soul. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Everyone praying after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me. He bled for me. And he died for me to pay for my sin. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender. Please come in. Let it be to me according to your will, according to your word. I surrender. Take me home with you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in this room and thank you that right now someone's heart was just reconciled to God, raised back up, and a soul found its worth. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.